This podcast is a part of the Dragon Suplex Podcast Network. Find us wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at chopskicksandnearfalls.com for daily articles about wrestling from around the globe. Welcome back to the Wrestling with Edwards podcast with your host, Scotty Wrestling. This week is episode number 27, and we have a very big show for you. We are going to review the All-Star Dream Cinderella show that Stardom had this past week. We are going to talk usual WWE stuff in the build to Fastlane, and we're also going to talk the major AEW Dynamite Crossroads show and preview the... AEW Revolution show. This is a big one, so please, as always, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So we're going to kick off with the review of the Stardom All-Star Dream Cinderella show. This is the most excited I have been for a wrestling show in a very long time. And I believe that's in due to the part of COVID-19 really changing the way wrestling shows have to work right now but in japan it's a lot better than here in the united states and this was the biggest show in stardom's history in terms of what they were doing they were in um Badoken and it was just massive it was a massive show um i had a preview last week there's a reason i went all out for this and it's because of how big and excited i am how much i hope that the people that are listening to this show want to check it out. Now, I had high hopes for a lot of the matches on this card. Higher hopes than I probably should have because you don't want to ruin something because you're so excited or you're expecting so much. And I didn't ruin it because they somehow exceeded my overly high expectations. This show from start to finish was masterful in a sense that stardom is growing. Stardom is growing in a massive way and they are doing everything in their power to create new stars and put forth a product that is must-see. It is must-see right now. You know, 2020, as I've said on the show, it wasn't an easy year for them. They lost three main event stars, two of which would have probably been in the main two matches on this card. Those, of course, are Hanakamura and Arisa Hushiki for, you know, two very different reasons. But they lost those two, and there's a very good chance they were both going to be in title matches on this day. So, as we dive into the show, I need to just warn you of how much I loved it because this is going to be a very, very happy part of me as we discuss this. So the show opened with Azumi versus Natsupoi for the high speed title, and I thought this was going to be the perfect opening match. Perfect in a sense that, first of all, it's difficult to open any show, and especially this one this big. And you saw Azumi walk down, and you could tell she had a little, like, nerves. Nerves were acting up, but, you know, she had the best gear of the night. Let's just put that out there. There was this, like, purple and white look on her gear. It was phenomenal. 
and she had the nerves, but she calmed down for the match, and that's what mattered most. Once she was able to do her craft, she calmed down. Her and Natsupoi put on an absolute show in the high-speed title um, atmosphere. Natsupoi walked out as the winner, and I think that was a must. A must because Azumi needs to climb up this card. Yes, she's still very young. She doesn't need to necessarily be the white belt or red belt champion within the next 365 days. No, that's not what I'm saying. But she needs to move up this card because, to me, she could be their future ace. I'm going to say that. She could be their future ace. Now, she's only 18 years of age, but she's still she's already one of the best stardom has. And, you know, she did everything she could in the high-speed division. She raised that title from where it was, which was non-active pretty much. And I think that's a credit to her and how good she is. And for Natsupoi, this is a big win. This is going to give some brand new matches and furthers the story that Donna Del Mondo, you know, they're all champions at this point. At this point, they're all champions. So, you know, it furthers that story. Again, this match was great. Um, three and three quarters stars for me. Um, it was a great opener. The second match on the prologue was Micah and um, Hamika of DDM versus Natsuko Tora and Saki um, Saki Kishima of Oedo Tai. Um, you know, Micah and Hamika just won these tag team titles, so this was kind of the biggest guarantee on the show. I feel like uh, there was no question to me that Micah and Hamika were losing because let's be serious, Stardom's high on both of them, and especially as single stars. I think they see Micah as a future Red Belt champion. Perhaps Hamika too, but you know, Micah has that it factor that it's very hard to find. And this was a good match. This was a good match. It was an Oedo style uh, style fight at the beginning, but they allowed these two to wrestle. Like, I feel like a lot of time we see Tora, she's not allowed to really go in there. She's held back by the Thai antics, which isn't her fault. That's just the way stardom wants them to do that. So it was, a, it was a welcome sight to see them actually wrestle. This was a solid match. I gave it three stars and you know, to me, there's not a bad match on this card really, but we're only getting into the good stuff now. Uh, the first match to kick off the actual pay-per-view of the show was the all-star rumble. And you know, the fact we had Yoko, uh, Yoko Bito and Izuki Aikawa excited me beyond end. You know, we had other legends as well, but those two are two that really grasped me in terms of when I started watching Stardom. I started from the beginning, and those two were major parts of what made me a fan. So, seeing them in there, in you know really shine, especially Aikawa. She looked like she could step right back in and just not miss a beat. It was incredible. Uh, there were parts of this that I don't want to discuss that did ruin the match, but there were awesome parts between the present-day talent, future talent, and the past, and that's what was important. Ultimately, it was Unagi Sayaka who walked out as the winner, and I said it on the preview. Is there a chance they could give her this win after that seven-match series? You know, she got her ass beat every single outing. And maybe this was a way to, you know, give her a big win. And it's exactly what it was. She um, eliminated Aikawa at the end and got the win. A huge win. Um, Mina was also out there with her, uh, but she was eliminated by Aikawa. And... Unagi Sayaka is someone that Stardom clearly is going to have big ideas for. Um, she's getting better. She's getting better. And she's really good at getting beaten up. I don't know if that's a blessing or a curse. But 
That's what she is. But yeah, she won this one. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, I gave it two stars. It's not like it was a match match. It was just like enjoyment. Um, and if you figure out my match rings, I usually like things that are two stars or above. Below that, I'm a little shaky. Then we had the Nene Takahashi versus Momo Watanabe match. I was worried about this match. The more people told me the way uh, Nene tends to work. Um, she has a big ego. And that shined through in this match. It certainly shined through. Uh, Momo brought brought her all. She, you know, She's one of the best in the world for a reason. When it comes to being in that ring, she's one of the best. And... She gave it her all. Too bad Takahashi didn't necessarily, you know, react as though Momo was kicking the shit out of her. Like, Takahashi stiffed her sometimes, and ultimately Takahashi won, which, as Alex said on the preview, was kind of a lock. Uh, here's my problem with it. Um, I thought it was a great match, first. First and foremost, I thought it was a great match. Four stars. Right out of the bat. I thought it was a great match. Very physical. These two, you know, went to war in about a 10-minute bout. I, the only problem is it it didn't help Momo. It didn't help her, in my opinion. Like, you would have thought, even in defeat, it could help her if Nene let her look good. And some there's only a handful of times that happened. Only a handful. Um, and that's my biggest gripe with the match. I've been very vocal on this podcast of how much I love Momo and her work. She's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. She's one of my favorite wrestlers in the world. And a lot of people agree she is one of the best in stardom. But I do have to remember, she is only 20 years old. There's still plenty of time for her to grow back up the card. And really... I think the best course of action for Momo is to team with Azumi moving forward. Um, I think they should enter the tag more. Uh, let me rephrase. They should enter the tag team circuit more. They should go for titles. They should win the titles. I think that's the best course of action right now. With Azumi freed up from the high speed title, I think these two could have an awesome tag team title run. I think they'd have a great match with Micah and Hamika, and I think that's who they should beat. I think they should, you know, take those titles from them and have a good run. But Nene walked out the winner, and I, I do wonder if this was just because it was, you know, the longtime vet over Momo, uh, because in the end, I feel like Nene can't have the last call on this because Stardom's trying to build their show. So, if the plan is to have Nene face Utami after Utami faces B, then that makes sense. Then that makes sense. I get it. But if it's not, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, but the match was great. Four stars. Um, definitely go out of your way to see it. Next up was uh, Suri and Konami and Mai oh Mai. They clearly were cut for time. But in that time, I had a fun time watching these two go at it. Uh, the submission holds, the strikes. The only thing we didn't get was the War of Kicks. The War of Kicks would have been great. But I thought this was good for an eight-minute bout. Uh, Suri, of course, walked out the winner. That was, you know, a guarantee. But Konami, you know, continues to show how much better she is since joining Oedo Tai. And that can't be said for everyone. Um, joining a way to tie, you know, doesn't necessarily mean you're saved, but she has been fantastic since joining. And the more I see her in this role, the more I realize Konami still has that bright future, and I really, really do hope she gets a title run sometime because, you know, she's so good. She's just so good. And Sari, she's making this SWA title important. She's making this her own. And her run's just going to keep getting better, I think. So, no complaints here. Um, I gave that match three and a quarter. Next up, 
We're in the big three. We're in the big three matches of the year. Not of the year, of the show. And I think this is the big three matches everyone was, you know, nervous about or excited about or all in between. This was the 10th anniversary match, the mega match. Mayu Iwatani versus Yoshiko. No title on the line, but didn't need a title. It didn't need the title on the line. This brought me back to, you know, a year ago when Mayu faced Takumi Aroha for the first time in 2020. Uh, the first time that year. Um, they they put on a magic show. And, of course, that was on very short notice. This wasn't. This was a story that they had a very good video beforehand, you know, detailing Yoshiko was the chosen one. Mayu was not. Mayu had to build herself up to be the icon of stardom. And let me tell you, this match delivered in so many ways. This match is my current match of the year. These two told a story of I'm better than you. No, I'm better. Like, that's the story. It was it was just a story of showing who's better. Showing that Mayu you know, can step over that shadow that Yoshiko once had over her. And they're great friends. You saw that after in the conclusion. But my oh my, these two went to war. Um, I think Mayu multiple times had me wince because of what happened to her. She hit a dive where she landed right on her neck, but she got up acting like nothing happened. Um, Yoshiko brought her hell. Yoshiko looked great, by the way. Uh, she looked in the best shape of her life. And I, I'm not saying she was in bad shape, but she looked incredible. And what she was able to pull off in this match had my jaw dropping because she, you know, she's bigger than Mayu, but she was doing all these high fly sentons and that mixed with her power. Incredible. Ultimately, it came down to the end where Mayu was able to find that fighting spirit that has driven her to being the icon of stardom. And she finally put away Yoshiko. This was a real stun to me. I didn't expect Yoshiko to lose. I thought she, more than Nene, was locked to win. But giving Mayu the win on the biggest stage seemed right. It seemed right. It seemed great. This match was fantastic. After the match, they should... They shared in a wonderful moment, hugging each other. And clearly, I don't think this is the last time we see this. I don't. I don't. I think I think this relationship, you know, goes above and beyond of stardom versus sea letting. These two are great friends, and they clearly want to stay connected. Um, Yoshiko stated, Mayu's the only thing that keeps her connected to stardom anymore. So there's something coming here and I'm excited to see what it eventually does but my oh my was this a match um I gave it four and three quarters stars I thought it was simply phenomenal and I thought it set up the rest of the show for doom my oh my was I wrong now let's get to the red belt um the world of stardom championship Utami Hayashishita faces off with Saya Kamatani, I have been very vocal in the past. I didn't think this was a spot for Saya to just step into. This was a big spot. This was for the world title. The world title of stardom. A, a title that's supposed to be the main title. And they got bumped from the main event. They got bumped in between the 10th anniversary match and the hair versus hair match. I thought these two were set up to fail. And I'm not the only one. I thought these two were set up to fail. I didn't know if Kamatani was ready for this spot. And my oh my, was I wrong. This match was fantastic. The storytelling was masterful. Utami Hayashishita is having one heck of a red belt run, and I have to admit that. You know, I was upset when Mayu lost, but... She is the star that stardom needs. I understand that. She has the presence. She has the likability. And she has the ability in the ring. That was number one for me. I, I wasn't sure. But it's clear she does. 
and Saya Kamatani, she made me a fan on this night. The match started, and it started a lot like the feud started. Saya shouldn't be in this role. Utami was dominating from the start. Absolutely dominating. But then Saya started to fight back. She started to fight back and show, yeah, I belong here. She um, had a tope con hilo over the top. What a move. Graceful, beautiful, hits it perfectly. And this is where it really started to say, okay, Sai is not only in it, but she's in it to win it. Back and forth, these two went the rest of the match. This match, this match was fantastic. This match had the greatest near fall I have seen in a very long time. A very long time. Saya Kamatani rolls up Utami as she tries to hit the, um, I always call it the razor's edge, um, but I, I don't know what she calls it. The, uh, powerbomb-like move where she twi- turns them around. And Saya reverses into a Harukarana for the closest two-fall I have seen in a very long time. I thought Saya Kamatani won the damn title. I thought she won. And honestly, I would have been fine with it. I was a believer. I was a believer this night. Ultimately, Utami Hayashishita clotheslined the head off of Saya and put her down one, two, three with the um, spinning powerbomb sorts. Four and a half stars for me. This match exceeded my expectations by a million. It's, you know, up there for one of the best matches all year. And I am now behind both of them more than I was when the show was happening. I wasn't excited for this match like I should have been. And I think that's what made it so great in my eyes. They they proved something that they needed to prove. Because, you know, again, being taken out of that main event role, which I agree with still after all this, is tough. So what did they do? They didn't get down on themselves. They rose up and showed they deserved that spot. And finally, the main event. Julia defends the Wonder of Stardom Championship against Tam Nakano in a hair versus hair match. The loser gets their head shaved. This feud has been building for a year. We talked about it. We talked about it. This feud has been building forever. Tam Nakano was going to chase Julia to the end of the universe to win this title. And boy, oh boy, if they had Julia win, that would have been the ultimate heel work, much like her past few months. But I think what they did was perfect. These two had a phenomenal match. Number two on my match of the year rankings. Four and three quarter stars, just behind Mayu versus Yoshiko. This was a war. They had they had a pile driver spot through a table on the outside. They had the war of slaps in the middle of the ring that made me want to cry because I would not have been able to handle two of those. Forget, you know, 20 each. And Tam pulled out all the stops to finally accomplish her goal. She finally accomplished her promise to Arisa Hushiki that she would take that white belt. And she did it. She did it. She pinned Julia in the middle of the ring after hitting this deadly neckbreaker, um, death drop type thing in the middle of the ring. I don't even know what it's called. It was incredible. And then hit her uh, finish for the win. Julia saw her head get shaved bald. And Tam Nakano was champion. And let me tell you, Julia is a badass with a bald head. And we already are seeing the... Um, Aftermath of this match. Uh, Julia will be kicking off the first show back against um, Gokujin Death because she wants to start from square one. She's ashamed of herself and wants to start from square one. I think that is a wonderful story we're going to be watching. Now, after the match again, Julia was pretty much like, just shave it off. She handed Tam the razor, but Tam couldn't do it. Tam couldn't do it. So the guy, uh, the barber had to do it. 
started shaving half of it off. Clearly, they're running out of time, so they only shaved half off before, you know, they paid their respects. These two paid their respects to each other after a year long of fighting, a year long of war, and I think that's the best part about this feud blow off. To me, the reason this match was great wasn't just the actual match itself, but the story that was leading to it, the story that was told in the match, and the story that followed it. It was amazing. I watched these last three matches twice. I watched it, you know, when they happened, and I watched them again. This is the best three jumble of matches I've seen back-to-back-to-back possibly ever on a show. This is my show of the year, and I don't see that changing. I do not see that changing. So yes, that is my stardom review. That is the first 25 minutes of this show, and I hope you enjoyed it. Now, let's dig into everything else. We have a lot to go over again, so let's let's try to, you know, get into it. Um, I don't have too many thoughts from Smack now, but Daniel Bryan wants Roman Reigns. Especially after he kind of, you know, got screwed in following the Elimination Chamber. And his goal is to prove he is the best wrestler in the world once again. He said on Talking Smack, I'm going to take back what I was once known as way before CM Punk took the name of best in the world. And I like this Daniel Bryan. He's determined to show how great he is. And to me, that's very important. We're going to get a, uh, not a Hell in a Cell, a Steel Cage match on SmackDown this week. You probably know by that, uh, between him and Jey Uso, if Daniel Bryan wins, he's going to Fastlane getting that championship match. The worthy thing is, though, Edge is not very happy about it. Edge doesn't understand how he's getting, how Daniel Bryan's getting that WWE championship match after he made the selection. So keep that in mind as we continue forward. Bianca Belair made her official decision. She will be facing Sasha Banks at the Showcase of the Immortals. WrestleMania. This match should main event night one. While Edge and Roman Reigns should main event night two. Based off the card I'm expecting, I think that's the way to go. And Apollo Crews took on his Nigerian heritage and his new heel character. Um, I didn't... Truthfully, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch all of SmackDown, but the look that Apollo Crews now has, I love the, I love his gear, I love his look. Now, I don't know where this will go, it'll probably go to at least Fastlane for the Intercontinental Championship against Big E. Do they crown him champion? I don't know yet. I'm going to have to wait and see the next few weeks. But that's all from SmackDown. There wasn't Again, too much on here or Raw. Raw, I have one thing to say. All hail the Almighty. Bobby Lashley is your WWE Champion. And my, oh my, was it a long time coming. Bobby Lashley did everything. Everything it took to get to this spot. He left WWE. Went to TNA. Became their world champion. Became a dominant world champion. Built himself up to when he comes back to WWE, it's going to be a bigger deal. He comes back to WWE. They miscast him from the start. The only time before MVP came along was with Leo Rush. That's when I felt, you know, Bobby Lashley could be that potential that we all believed in. Of course, the Leo Rush relationship, that ended up breaking down. That saw Leo Rush... Get removed. Uh, Bobby Lashley tried to keep him with him. And, you know, when Bobby won the title, there's the video of Leo Rush playing Lashley. Lashley. And that was great. That was great. Gave me... I was a big fan of that combo. Um, I know some people weren't, but I loved that combo and I thought it was great. But, yes. Bobby Lashley is the WWE champion. He... Chased Miz all night long until Miz finally had to defend it in a lumberjack match so that he couldn't run away, and Bobby destroyed him. There was not a second of offense for the Miz. Bobby Lashley is finally champion, 
And this is a setup for a wonderful match at WrestleMania between Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. We have seen this feud before. They did it early in Drew's uh, Drew's championship run after WrestleMania, and it was great. I thought it was just the beginning, and they kind of pushed it off. So this is why they pushed it off. This is going to be what we see at WrestleMania. It's going to be Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship, and it should be great. It should be great. That's all I have from Monday Night Raw and Friday Night SmackDown. So why don't we just jump into NXT? Because AEW is going to take up the majority of our end of the show with what went down at um, Dynamite Crossroads and the preview. There was a lot. There was a lot. But NXT had a pretty big week, too. And NXT's going to have an even bigger week next week, which I'll get to. The show this week kicked off with a tag team title match. It saw Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch, the NXT tag team champions, for those of you who forgot, like myself, facing Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher. Again, this was a spot that MSK was supposed to fight for the tag team titles and potentially win them. But an injury to Wes Lee last week leaves us without this match. And it's really unfortunate because MSK's star only begin, was beginning to grow before they ultimately got sidelined. Now, a broken hand, that can range from a few months, a few weeks to a few months. It depends how bad the break was. Hopefully... It's short, and they can be back very soon. But the main part of this match, which was a very physical match, very good, was at the end when Imperium showed up on the stage. And for those who don't know, Tim Timothy Thatcher, I forgot his name for a second, I apologize, was part of the um, group Ringkampf before, which, you know, Marcel Barthel and... Walter were a part of as well. So Thatcher, you know, instantly was like locked on to them and he seemed lost. He seemed confused. And Champa was like, what is going on here? So clearly this is the story we're building to. We're going to see something between Thatcher and Imperium. I would like Thatcher to join Imperium. Uh, I think that would be good. I think that would be good for him. And Champa, you know, could fight all of them, I don't know, but you know, doing something with these guys that doesn't involve titles, I think is a good move moving forward Roderick Strong was out next to ask Adam Cole to come out there and, you know, if any if the, any of Undisputed ever meant anything to him at some point go out there, that's when Finn Balor answered the call instead and he said, listen, Roddy I know how to get him out here. Finn Balor looks directly into the camera and goes, Next week, Finn Balor versus Adam Cole for the NXT Championship. And it's been made official. That is the match we're getting. And it only seems right that Adam Cole gets his match instantly. Does Kyle Riley return? That'll be the question. But back to Strong and Finn. Finn was going at Strong. Explained to him, you know, you're weak. You're just a follower. You'll never be a leader. And this led to the match that was made for the main event later in the night. We'll get to that in a second. The Way had a therapy session, which was Johnny Gargano's way, (laughs) no pun intended, of getting Austin Theory to believe Dexter Loomis wasn't a nice guy. He paid the therapist, which we learned after. And it's an interesting story they're telling here. I'm very confused. I don't know if I like it or not. Um, Indy Hartwell is in love with Dexter Loomis. It's really weird what we're doing here. Really weird because I was liking what The Way was doing, but, you know, the Loomis stuff, we're going to see. We're going to see. The therapy session gave me a few laughs, but... It was it was a little hit or miss at times. Now, Balor and Cole, as I said, was made official for next week. 
Which brings me to the point of their main event. I want to talk the main event because we do have other stuff, but I feel like the main event's kind of important. Finn Balor and Roderick Strong had an excellent, excellent television main event here. Uh, Roderick Strong came out to new mu- with new music, new gear. So clearly the Undisputed Era is done. We had that we had that thought, but you know him having all this brand new stuff that just solidifies the fact. So my question is, what what do they do next week? Do they crown Adam Cole the two-time NXT champion, move on from Balor, and crown him champion to ultimately tell the better story that is Kyle O'Reilly taking the NXT championship from Adam Cole? I don't think that feud needs the title, but I think it would benefit with the title. And that big moment with Kyle O'Reilly. So I'm wondering, is this what they do? Uh, I think a loss for Adam Cole next week would be bad. So I either Kyle O'Reilly needs to interfere or Adam Cole needs to win. I think that's the only thing that makes sense next week. Now Finn, of course, beat Roddy. And then Adam Cole, you know, staring him down at the end of the show. But now we have to jump back into the show. The WWE Women's Tag Team titles were on the line as Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defended against Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. This was a big one because I really thought, you know, the winners of the Women's Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic were going to walk away the winners. But they pulled the ultimate swerve. So Raquel Gonzalez gets tagged in after Dakota Kai fights off. Fights off the uh, Coquina Clutch, not the Coquina, Carafuta Clutch by Shayna. Tags Renee, uh, not Renee, Raquel in. Raquel knocks out the ref and Nia with a big, big boot. They go flying over the announce table. Now remember, Raquel is the one in the match. With the ref out and Shayna finds a chance, she locks in the Carafuta again. And this is when Adam Pierce of Monday Night Raw, Friday Night SmackDown, but purposely Monday Night Raw here, shows up and he announces, not announces, but he pushes a Raw ref out there to make the call. He makes the call, he officially ends the match. They end the match, and that's when I start to think. Where are we going with this? Where are we going with this? They show later that Regal and Adam Pierce are yelling, but they don't say what. Then uh, Mackenzie, uh, Mackenzie, I don't know what her, Mackenzie Mitchell? Yeah, Mackenzie Mitchell. Um interviews William Regal. William Regal promises a game-changing announcement for NXT next week. And I'm trying to think, what could that be? Could it be a invitational type thing for NXT moving forward to go to Raw and SmackDown? Are they going to somehow raise the brand to a true third brand? I don't know how we're going to do this, but I'm, I'm intrigued to see what happens. Uh, the only other thing from NXT to touch on is that L.A. Knight debuted. Um, he finally appeared, and it looks like his first feud will, will be with Bronson Reed. Not a bad first feud. Um, you know, good mid-card feud, I guess. But that's it for NXT this week. Next week, we have two world title matches. As Finn Balor defends the NXT Championship against Adam Cole and Io Shirai defends the NXT Women's Championship against Tony Storm. Massive show. Massive show. So let's get into AEW finally. We're, you know, nearly 40 minutes in and we're going to get to the big stuff. This AEW had a big, big show this week. I was stunned by how good this is because. They opened up hot. They opened up with the Shaquille O'Neal, Jade Cargill, 
versus Cody Rhodes and Red Velvet match. And my, oh my, what a match it was. Never did I ever think I would go saying a match with Shaquille O'Neal in it. Shaquille O'Neal at the age of 48 would be such a fun, awesome match. But it was great. It was great. Shaq took the craziest table spot. He went crashing down between two tables as Cody tackled him outside of the ring. And that's a big story for many. For me, the big story was Jade Cargill. Jade is on her way to being not only a star, but the star for AEW in the women's division. She has everything they want in a star. She feels like someone WWE would have wanted. She's got the charisma. She's got the look. She's got the background. She's got the athleticism. She is everything they want. And she showed that she can do it now in the ring. Her and Red Velvet were very entertaining. They carried most of the match. You know, after uh, Shaq had his big in-ring part where he slapped the taste out of Cody and ultimately went crashing down to the table, this is what led to Jade and Red Velvet finishing it up. And Jade hit a um, glam slam, you know, the chicken wing drop for the finish. And... You know, they, they're going to have to protect Cargill still moving forward. She's not like the greatest wrestler of all time in the ring yet. But she's clearly got something there. And she's only going to improve. And she's everything AEW could have wanted. That being said, what a segment, what a match. It all worked out very well. Pack and Phoenix. I said last week, if they're not on this pay-per-view, you made a mistake. Well, guess what? They're going to be teaming on this pay-per-view. They're going to enter the Casino Battle Royale. And this might have been one of the best squash matches I've ever seen. These two were out the blocks hot. They took out everyone in sight. And my, oh my, was it great. Pack and Phoenix acted like they were a team for years. That's how good they were. And, you know, they won quickly at... It's going to be hard for anyone, not them, to win. I think a match between them and the Young Bucks has to be the way to go. Just for the greatness of that match possibility. Then we had the press conference between MJF, Chris Jericho. Um, I don't know why they needed a press conference. And this was interesting to me. So Barstool Sports had two representatives there. And I find that interesting because Erica Nardini, who some of you may, may not know, is, you know, the CEO of Barstool Sports. She's on the board of directors. She's on the board of WWE. And yet, Barstool had two representatives, including Brandon Walker, who just two weeks ago was on the NXT Vengeance Day or three weeks ago, was on the Vengeance Day pre-show. He was part of the angle where L.A. Knight, Eli Drake debuted. So I'm wondering how this is going to go, because clearly there's a relationship there now. But having Erica Nardini on the board of WWE, you know, that's got to point out something. So it's interesting to see. It's interesting to see. Uh, the press conference... You know, there was a bunch of questions asked. Uh, MJF and Jericho had a little comedy, had a little serious about Papa Buck before the Young Bucks came down to the ring. Made it clear, <coughs> without the Papa Buck, AEW wouldn't be a thing. That was their whole angle here, which kind of made sense because without the Young Bucks, you don't have AEW probably. But... They said, sometimes you just got to fight for what you believe in. And they started fighting them. They go at it. Fight breaks out. And, you know, they sold the match. They sold this match. That's something important. That's something you have to do. And that's, to me, the biggest win here. 
the biggest win overall was, you know, you sold this match and you made me actually want to see it. Jurassic Express faced FTR and Tully Blanchard. Jurassic Express, man, their six-man tags are some of the best things AEW have. Uh, this was great, and, you know, Tully, Tully's, I don't even know how old he is, but he probably hasn't wrestled in years, and they had a great match. It's not because of him, it's more so because of what Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt are able to do together, but it was a great match. It was a great match. And we saw a hooded man take out Luchasaurus with some um, some object. Um, he was wearing an AW hoodie. It was revealed to be Sean Spears, who's clearly joining FTR. I don't know how much that excites people, but it's been teased in the past, and it seems like that's where we're going. So have at it. Next up was Paul White better known as The Big Show, making its AEW debut, walking out to the ring, the big No More BS sign, which, you know, can mean multiple things. No More Big Show, that's clearly the main point they're trying to say, but No More BS is very clear of what Paul White was saying. Uh, he talks to Tony Schiavone, he said, I bet you didn't see this turn coming, a shot at the multiple turns that he had in WWE over the past decade or so. And he promised a Hall of Fame-worthy signing that will be announced at Revolution. Well, I'm intrigued, Paul. I am intrigued. I don't know where this is going. I don't know who it's going to be. I see people, you know, trying to predict it left and right. But my guess is it's going to be a young talent, a young gun, who has the potential to be a Hall of Famer. Not an actual Hall of Famer. I think they want to swerve you. And I think I think getting the rub from Big Show, Paul White, can go a long way for whoever it is. That's just my opinion. That's my thoughts on it. But I think it's going to be some young gun that we're just not thinking of. Nyla Rose versus Rio Muzanami in the finals. Of the AEW Women's World Championship Eliminator Tournament. What a tournament this was, really. Um, Tony Khan said that this is going to be a yearly thing, which is great. Which is absolutely great. Because it really it really put women's wrestling, especially um, Japanese-style Joshi, on a world stage in the United States that you know it rarely has had. Uh... The tournament was must-see. Every single episode, every single match was great. I loved it, and this final was perfect. This final might have been my favorite match. Mizunami is a star here in the States. The fans were behind her. She ate it up, and she came out the winner, as you know. I think a lot of people expected, especially when you saw the final of her versus Rose. Like Rose just would not have made sense in this spot. It was, it was so enjoyable. It was just the perfect end. And, you know, after Mizunami wins, Hikaru Shida, who reports say she directed a lot of the matches in Japan, she handed her the trophy, and they had their stare down. And Ryo Mizunami just smashes Shida. And she says, all right, your turn. Hit me now. Back and forth they went. Shida hit the last big one, leaving Mizunami on her butt. And Mizunami just smiled. This match is going to be great. Shida has been a great champion considering the little um, things they've given her. And I'm excited for this. I think this is going to tear the house down on Sunday. Now, it really lost steam after this, the show. Um, I don't know what they're trying to do. Uh, Max Caster got into the ladder match to decide the TNT Championship number one contender. Um, he defeated Preston Vance, who I thought was going to be in, but the angle was, of course, Matt Hardy paid Jack Evans to screw over the Dark Order to get back at Heyman Page. And our main event was Matt Hardy and Mark Quinn versus Hangman Page and John Silver. Hangman Page and John Silver won. 
And Matt Hardy said, it was this was the whole point. You won, so now it's more money for me when I win on Sunday. I, I it was a weird it was a weird way to end the show because this is the go home edition of your dynamite shows for revolution. And I understand they had the countdown show afterwards, so you know, that could have taken to toll why they didn't do it, but not having Moxley or Omega on the actual show but just in video. It kind of surprised me. It kind of surprised me. I don't know. It was just a weird way to end it, but it was a very strong show overall. Certainly didn't ruin the show. It was just weird. It was just weird to me. So let's get into this preview and predictions for AEW Revolution 2021. Uh, We have nine matches on the card, I believe. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yes. We have a pre-show match, the buy-in. Thunder Rosa teams with Riho to face Britt Baker and Rebel. However, there's a chance Rebel is not cleared and Britt Baker will pick a new partner. That being said, I think this is a way to give Thunder Rosa and Riho a win while, you know, maybe pinning the opposition. But, you know, if she ends up picking a bigger partner things could change. But I'm going to take Rosa and Riho. This should be a fun buy-in match. I think this, you know, is a good spot for them. I do wish that we just did Baker and Rosa on the pay-per-view, but that's besides the point. Uh, Hangman Page versus Matt Hardy in the money match. The big money match. Um, I'm taking Hangman Page. Having him lose to Matt Hardy would be selfish and silly and stupid. And a terrible booking decision because you're clearly still building up Hangman Page. And people are, you know, still behind him and the Dark Order stuff. So do not have him lose to Matt Hardy in 2021. We have a very big match here as it is a street fight. Brian Cage and Ricky Starks of Team Taz. Team with the I... Oh, team. Face... The Icon Sting and the TNT Champion Darby Allen. At the beginning of this feud, I wasn't excited. Now, one of the more excited matches I am. I. Okay, sorry. Can't English after 50 minutes. One of the matches I am most excited for. I'm taking. Sting and Allen. Now, um. I, I thought about it. I really did. I thought, you know, giving Cage and Starks the win here would make a lot of sense. Pinning Darby in the middle of the ring. But something tells me they're going to want to give Sting and Darby that win. You know, have Sting win his first AEW match. It just seems like the way to go. Ah, now we have the match I don't care about at all. Even a little bit. This is, I don't even know why this is on the show. We have Orange Cassidy and Chucky T facing off with Miro and Kip Sabian. I'm picking Miro and Kip Sabian. Uh, you got to make Miro look good, I guess. The Casino Tag Team Battle Royale. A lot of tag teams in here. Butcher and Blade. Uh, Proud and Powerful. Pack and Phoenix. There's, uh, I believe, 15 teams total. I am taking... Pack and Phoenix. I think the idea of giving them a tag team title match, having them win is smart. Especially how good they looked on Dynamite this week. There was clearly a reason they had them look so good as a team. I think it would only be right that you have them win in a big spot because they're a major part of your brand. They're a major part of your show. It wouldn't it would be wrong not to, honestly. It would be wrong not to. The ladder match. The revolution ladder match. The face of the revolution. I don't know. This reminds me that Scorpio Sky on commentary was absolutely dreadful. Um, I never want to hear him speak again. Thank you. 
I'm just kidding, but kind of not. Like, it was really bad. It was really bad. He's trying to, like, say he was handsome and stuff. I guess he's a heel now. I didn't really care. Um, Scorpio Sky, Cody Rhodes, Pentagon, Lance Archer, Max Caster, and a mystery entry. Um, all Out of all these, they will get their match on next Wednesday on TNT. I don't know who the mystery entry is. I'm definitely not picking Max Caster. You know, this is a this is a tough one. I'm I'm gonna pick Pentagon. I don't know why. I have a I have a good feeling about having Pentagon win this. Don't know. Kind of just want to see Pentagon versus Darby. I think that would be pretty fun. It'll probably be the mystery person, if we're being honest. But I don't know. How am I supposed to pick a mystery person if I don't know who it is? Now, let's get to the title matches. The Young Bucks defend the AEW World Tag Team titles against Chris Jericho and MJF. I'm picking the Young Bucks, and if it's any other result, then it's wrong. I hope Sammy Guevara shows up and tries to screw Jericho and MJF. I'm not really looking forward to the actual match, but they they pushed me to not hate seeing it. It could be good. It could be fun. The Young Bucks do a lot of good things that usually make matches good no matter what. So I'll be hopeful. Okay? I'll be hopeful. But I'm picking the Bucks. Hikaru Shida defends the AEW Women's World Championship against Ryo Mizunami. I'm back and forth on this one, folks. I'm back and forth on this one because I don't think Hikaru Shida needs to lose. But picking, you know, having Mizunami win wouldn't be a bad idea. I'm picking Shida. I'm picking Sheeta because I don't think she needs to lose it yet. I think she has plenty of more run in her. But if Muzanami wins, I'll be happy too because that may opens up a lot of fresh new matches and continues to show that she's an absolute star. Continues to show that. But, you know, Sheeta, considering everything she's done for AEW, it'd be a shame for her to take a backseat. It really would. It really would. And finally, the exploding barbed wire death match for the AEW World Championship. You have the champion, Kenny Omega, facing off with John Moxley for the title. It's the perfect main event. Last year at Revolution, John Moxley won the AEW Championship. That will not be happening this year. Kenny Omega should not be losing this title anytime soon. Um, this match is going to be hell. This match is going to be a war. This match is going to be something I've never seen before. I am not sure how to anticipate this match because I don't like their death match they did at the end of 2019. I don't like it, or whatever it was. Their non-sanctioned match, I did not enjoy that. But they're going to go all out, and I think they're just so on top of their game right now, it would be crazy to think this match won't be good. So I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to believe this match will deliver. Kenny Omega walks out as the winner. There's probably going to be a lot of help from Luke Gallows and Carlos Anderson. But either way, I'm looking forward to it. It should be... It should be something. That's for sure. So that's your revolution preview and predictions. And I just had to say real quick, I kind of breezed over into the match of the week. My match of the week is Mayu versus Yoshiko with Utami versus Saya and Julia versus Tam finishing right behind. But yes, that is the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you checked out last week's shows. Uh, we had two. We had the Choco Pro show and we also had the you know start on preview show. So I hope you enjoyed both of those. So I'm back solo clearly this past week as you've listened to me for the past hour. And I hope, I hope what you get out of the show is maybe you check out Stardom if you haven't before. Maybe you just, you know, get in t- more excited for the show if you haven't seen it yet. Um, I hope you get excited for AEW. I hope you look forward to NXT next week. And I hope you enjoy listening to me talk about professional wrestling because I surely do love doing that. So, 
Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. I will see you next time because next week will be another big week. So until then, be safe. Have a good day. また美学でしょう